0: So if you do have your Bibles, I will call it the kids in a second, but I wanted to read our text, uh, this morning. We've been in a series in 1st Thessalonians, and we're finishing that. I'm going to be preaching today, uh, and then next week also, and we'll be finishing out 1st Thessalonians. And then I believe Pastor Jesse's gonna begin a new series out of 1st Peter. So that's exciting. Um, and thanks, Jeff, for praying for me. I really appreciate that. Um, as I go through my 17th midlife crisis, we'll just see what the Lord has in store for me after <laughs> Indelible Grace Church. But y'all have been so kind and so good to me and to Wendy. So thank you. So if you do have your Bibles, we're in First Thessalonians, and it's written in your bulletin too, First Thessalonians 5. And First Thessalonians comes after Colossians just for those of you who need that. But if you have your phone, you have it as well. So we're in First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 16, which is where Wade was preaching last week, and then I'll end at verse 22. So if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. This will just be one more opportunity to get the blood flowing. You know, this is God's most holy and infallible Word. First Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Would you pray with me? Father, in these moments as we gather around your word, would you Please, by the gospel and by your spirit, transform our lives to be more like you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. may be seated, y'all. And kids can come up and go here in the blue chairs. I have a couple things to say to you guys. And while you're coming up, I wanted to apologize. I actually ended up up here in my flip-flops, which uh, I don't normally preach in flip-flops, unless I'm in Hawaii, I guess. But I want to put on my brand new, and I am talking to you kids as well, never pay attention to me, but, so I'm going to change out of my flip-flops, and I'm going to put on my new, these are my new CrossFit trainers, they're Nano 2.0s, they're vintage, because I think the X came out, and it's true, and so I'm going to put these on right now, and so when you guys are at home, and your parents tell you to put your shoes and socks on, is it Shoes and socks, or is it socks and shoes, or is it, I mean, do y'all know, or do they not tell you to put your shoes and socks on? Right. Okay, well, I'm going to put mine on right now, and uh, just give me a, a second. So, get these on, socks and shoes. Just give me a second. I'm not as fast as you guys. Oh, and I also got these socks at a trampoline place in Scotland. So, this is not working. What What's happening? Yeah, go ahead, em, what what's happening with me here? I'll try this, you know, it's the other foot. I need to start with the left. No? Socks on first. Y'all's kids are, you're right, you're right, you know, sometimes I get nervous and I forget what I'm doing, so I'm going to put these on. First, my feet sweat, which is why I don't always take my shoes off when I come to y'all's house, but you're right, you're right, totally right. Yeah, just thought, uh, what's up? Oh yeah, go grab it, go grab it. All right, so this seems to be better. These are cool too, they have the grips on it, you know, from trampoline. Okay, so th- this feels so much better. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. So there is an order to things, right? Your socks go on first. Otherwise, you just look a little bit... There's something not going right, right? If you're walking around with your socks on the outside. And, and so I don't know if you noticed in the text that I read, but there's a, there's a lot of do's and don'ts, Right? And maybe as Christians, you go to church and you just think, that's what Christianity is. It's just do's and don'ts. But you know, there's an order, right? There's socks and shoes. And the do's and don'ts that came up in our text, let's just rehearse the do's and don'ts in the text that we looked at. Pastor Wade preached last week on rejoicing always. How many of you, wait, I'm not going to ask you guys. Do your kids rejoice always? People who have kids? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I didn't give you a chance to answer, but I'll, I'll give you an answer to answer this one. Pray without ceasing. It's another do that you need to be praying without ceasing. And then Pastor Wade preached from verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Do your kids give thanks in all circumstances? Does your spouse, does your roommate, does your co-worker? It's hard, Right. These do's and the... Okay, now the don'ts. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Abstain from every form... Right? All these do's and don'ts that come up in the Christian life. But there's an order to this. The order is this. The do's and don'ts come after something else. The do's and don'ts of the Christian life actually have an order just like socks and shoes. The order is that we're loved by God. And we're given His grace in Jesus first, way before we ever get a chance to do or don't anything. He loves us by his grace before we ever get to obey any commands. And that's in our text, too. It says up in verse 9 of chapter 5, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So even before the do's and the don'ts, Jesus loves us. So the socks, right, of Do's and don'ts? No, it's, it's the socks of his grace that goes first, and then we get to put on the do's and don'ts of our shoes and get busy, right? So first comes the socks of his love, right? The, the warmth, I mean, the, the goodness of those socks, especially on a cold morning, that's like the grace of God in your life. And then you put your shoes on, doing the do's and the don'ts of scripture that he, he wants us to do, as is the will of God for us in Christ. Then we're active and able to do it, right? So what comes first? God's love for you Are you doing and don'ting? Yes, thank you, Rachel. That's right. His love is first. Jesus loves us first. And that's where we get the power to do or don't things, right? So when you're putting on your shoes later, um, even, George, as you slip those Crocs on, I want you to be remembering how much God loves you guys and whether or not you get everything perfect all the time. Because we don't get everything perfect all the time. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. So that we could be with him in his goodness, right? So um, thank you for allowing me to have my smelly feet up here and uh, for listening so kindly and so patiently. Um, I think you can probably... Let me pray. How about that? Let me pray for us. So bow your head in prayer. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you have reached out first to us, that you don't ask us to do things to earn your love, but that you have so warmly loved us. You have given us the socks of the gospel, and Lord, we're able to suit up and follow you because of your grace, Lord. Thank you for these kids, for our covenant children. Would you pour out blessing upon each one of them and their families? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You can go that way, please. Well done. And as you guys are going back to your parents, <clears throat> I wanted to let you guys know um, that there are color pages back in the back where Tracy is. And those are actually via age groups, so you can get for your age child We've really tried to think this through today, a little bit. I love coloring pages. I love coloring pages too. Just, that. it's so true. I love them. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at coloring. I'm just gonna tell you that. It's the truth. See, look at my Bible colored up. Um, so I'm coming closer. So I was wondering as they are doing that, if you guys would just stand up and say hello to one another because maybe you didn't have the chance. And here's what you can say. Good job coming to church on Labor Day weekend where a lot of people didn't, you know, they went traveling. So y'all stand up, say just hello to somebody around you. Maybe a visitor's here. I don't know. Great job, y'all. Why don't y'all uh, turn back around and face me? Actually, you can stay standing. And I wanted to make another quick announcement um, to you guys. Uh, and you can stay standing up, you know, just, just kind of get the blood flowing. Um, this week was uh, someone's birthday, and I'm sure maybe it might have been somebody else's birthday, but... Important to me is that it was Tracy's birthday this past week, and so I was wondering if you guys would just—clapping's great—but maybe could we sing to her? Okay, so this has to be—we could sing for Wade next week because I have the pulpit again next week. I, I think we should just let Tracy today, and then, right? So. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Tracy, and wait on Wednesday I guess, happy birthday to you. Thank you, you may be seated, those of you who are standing you can be seated, thank y'all. We're really glad you were born Tracy, it's really good, it's good. And thanks for taking off your mask to show me your smile. I, I was like, why are you doing Now I see why. So I can see your smile. Thank you. Okay, so um, so to continue what I was talking with the children about, for you adults, this is an issue for all of us as believers. We know... That scripture bears out things that we're supposed to be doing. Wade was preaching last week on the, as Paul put in 1 Thessalonians, what we should be doing, praying without ceasing, rejoicing always, giving thanks in all circumstances, because this is the will of God for us in Christ. I mean, those are those are all encompassing dues for us. And then I've been given this text in starting in verse 19: do not quench the spirit and don't despise prophecies. So it was revolution it was a game changing thing for me. I don't know what you you know in your life to be game changers, but I mean, nano 2.0s were game changers for me. Uh, I am trying to not drink Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew anymore and I'm hoping that vitamin water will become the new game changer for me because I finally have listened to Mason about the dyes and the carbonation and Okay, I'm trying. So I'm actually showing you this for accountability. Okay, so if you see me with a diet Mountain Dew, you know, just slap it out of my hands. Um, don't do that. Don't do that because it's like 2.79 for a <laughs> for that. Um, but the do's and the don'ts, right? These, these things. For some people, and for maybe even the world outside the church, that is Christianity, right? It's just about how, how you're doing and don'ting. And, and we as Christians, I think, can also live to the world as though we're doing and don'ting exactly the way God wants it. And so we can have sort of this elite moralism about ourselves that we're getting everything right, right? I mean, it happens. And that is a little bit of how the culture can view the church. So it's a game changer if we can look at Scripture in this way. It's a hermeneutical framework. It's, a, it's one way to look at, read, at reading the Bible. There are lots of ways to read the Bible, and there are lots of good ways. This is one way, and it is this. When you see imperatives given in the Bible, imperatives being anybody? Tracy? Tracy? She left. Right. I don't blame her. Um, Imperatives are commands, right? When we see imperatives in Scripture, the first thing you should do when you you see those is look for what's called the indicatives or the indicatives of the gospel. Because God's never going to ask us to do anything or don't anything apart from his grace and power to do or don't. You can't do and don't. That's why Jesus came. That's what I said to the kids. I meant it for you too. I meant it for all of us. And so as we look at this text this morning, what Wade preached on last week, starting in verse 16, rejoicing always, praying in all circumstances, giving thanks, or praying without ceasing, giving thanks, and then today, not quenching the Spirit. Those are the imperatives. So where are the indicatives that give us the motivation, the power, the hope to ever be able to do or don't these things? Where are those indicatives? Look up at verse 9, which I already read for the kids. Verse 9, before we, before Paul tells the church, uh, the Thessalonian church, to do or don't anything, he reminds them, for God has not destined us for wrath. Now, has God not destined us for wrath because we do and don't everything that we're supposed to do for Him? No, He's done that to give us salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has saved us. We are loved and given grace in the gospel, and that's good news, before nary a do or don't is spelled out for us to do. Now, this is a hermeneutic you'll find throughout all of Scripture. When you read all sorts of commands in the Bible, there will be the indicatives of the good news around. Can I give you one example? I mean, if you're like, I don't believe you, Tom. I don't, I mean... Let me give you one example. I mean, there's so many examples. You could really open your Bible to any commands, any imperatives, and literally find the indicatives of the good news of how God does his work through his people. But let's just have you turn to Exodus 19. If you have your Bibles, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus 19 and 20. How many of you know what's in Exodus 20? There you go, Diana. Diana. Yes, the Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20. So what we've got in Exodus 20 are the commands we know the most, the Ten Words of God, the Ten Commandments, right? Do and don't, all the do's and don'ts. It's the first ones, right? Here in Exodus 20. But if you jump right to Exodus 20, the the Ten Commandments, and God spoke all these words saying, I'm the Lord your God, look before the Ten Commandments, He says in verse 2, and I'm going to go back to 19.4 because it's way before, In verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So before he says, don't have any other gods before me, what does he say? I brought you out of the land of slavery. I gave you everything. And if you go back to 19, chapter 19, verse 4. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He did all that before the commandments were ever given. The indicatives of the gospel are in Exodus. Can you believe it? I thought the gospel was just in the gospels or in just the New Testament. No. We see the gospel, the indicative of what God has done. Statement of fact. God says, I... Brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And now I'm giving you how to live your life in me. The scriptures don't say, I'm going to bring you out of the house of slavery, out of all your captivity, if you obey me and do everything you're supposed to do. That's not how the gospel works. He says, I bore you on eagle's wings. I'm not going to tell you anything to do. I'm going to rescue you. And as I do that, and as I make you a people unto myself, here's my will for you, the commandments. So this hermeneutic, I promise you, if you read this week in your Bible and you you read commands, look around, look around that text, you'll see the indicatives of God's love and grace, right? So just a hermeneutic to think about. And I wanted to bring it to you because... These commands are hard in 1 Thessalonians 5. They're they're tough ones. I mean, I was convicted last week as Wade was reminding us about God's will for us to pray without ceasing. That's His will for us, to be in communion with Him. So, let's just spend a minute. What have I got? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's spend a minute looking at the don'ts here. Wade covered the do's. You can get online. That sermon's online, right, Wade? Did it make it? Okay. Um, so you can listen to the do's. That's what Wade preached last week. And now I'm going to hit some of the don'ts. Let's, now that I've given you the framework, that all of these don'ts fall into what? The indicative first. They're, they're couched in the indicative of God's grace. Him not making us vessels of wrath, but saving us in Christ, right? So now, let's look at some of the don'ts that, are the will of God for us so verse 19 says do not quench the spirit what in the world what does that mean for the church don't extinguish the work of the spirit in the church because obviously this is a a letter that Paul was writing to to the church Um, obviously you can quench the spirit in your workplace Um, wow have I lost you guys already Thank you, Jesse. Okay. No, you don't want to quench the spirit there either, but here's the church what What does this mean to to extinguish the work of the spirit? I mean, my mind I mean I don't know about you guys. my mind first goes to Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, you can turn to Galatians 5.23 on if you want to, but the, the fruit of the Spirit that God is working out in His people, in the church, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right, faithfulness, self-control, these are the works and the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. So when I throw cold water on someone's joy in my church, I'm quenching the Spirit. Or when I know that the Lord God is showing me hey, you, you need discipling. Why don't you get into a CG or meet with somebody that's that's going to help take you further in your Christian life. And I say I don't have time. Uh, no. I can figure all this out on my own. You're quenching the spirit in your own life. And then by virtue of that also in the church. So when just think about your 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 life in the church. When are you throwing cold water on someone's the work of the Spirit in their life? When are you when are you squelching joy, or love, or self control? So the reason why you don't have to spend a whole lot of time on these, we all we all get. I mean, I feel like the the imperatives, especially the don'ts, we're like, oh yeah yeah, that's easy. I mean, we get it right. So, we don't want to quench the Spirit. We want to be in line with the fruit that God is, hopefully, and I I think He is here at IGC. He's doing a great work of His Spirit here. You're still here. Thirteen years. In the Bay Area. I live in Roseville. Y'all got issues down here. No, I'm kidding. Bay Area is beautiful down here. All right. so, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies in verse... Uh, 20. What in the world does that mean? Uh, are we some charismatic prophecy? What, what is happening? Do not despise prophecies. It's interesting. What Paul's trying to say here is you don't want to reject warnings that come to you through the church, through your fellow believers in your life, from Scripture. There's, there's times when we are... You know, I was sitting in the dentist chair this past week, getting my teeth cleaned, and... Um, and so I don't know if this happens to you guys at the dentist, but uh, the the gal that cleans my teeth, she always is full of questions when she has her hands all the way, you know, down my soppy, like you know, cleaning. And I'm, or I, it's the same story we all have. I just want one that just says nothing during the whole time. Am I the only one that has that happen? So, but this is one thing that came out of it. Um, and this has to do with despising and rejecting prophecies or warnings. She was talking about her son, and I, I guess I, this is pro- probably dentist, patient, there's confidentiality, so I'm breaking that, I guess. I don't know, is there? I don't know. She's telling me this story about her son, and she's like, yeah, you know, I told him, y'all are going to know exactly what's happened. I told him he needs to stop drinking carbonated sodas. And, and, I was, and I'm like, what, what, why should he do that? You know, like, because apparently in her research, she's a dental hygienist, but she knows about carbonated beverages because she said she looked it up online, that carbonation actually weakens your bones. See all the things you can learn at church? It's not just, it, there's so many things. So, starting this week, I'm going to Because I'm old and I don't want osteoporosis to have a leg up by my carbonated beverages. The moral of the story for the dental hygienist was her son didn't listen to her and he got pushed out of the military because he was breaking bones for no reason. And she says it's because he drank carbonated soda as a kid. (laughs) I think she's right. I think she's right. All right, so the point is, in her mind, her son despised and rejected her warning not to drink carbonated sodas and therefore got rejected out of the military. Now, I don't think things like that are going to happen when we reject the warnings that God brings into our life. Maybe something worse. So... If you wonder how the people of God do when it comes to prophecies, just think for a second, if you've been in Sunday school or you know anything about Christianity or the Bible, how do God's people treat prophets? Y'all got any idea how God's people treat prophets? They, they murder them. Like, first, I mean... Very quickly, God's people are like, hey, we don't like what you said, so we're going to put you in prison. In fact, there's a lesser known story in scripture, and I only say it's lesser known because it's in 1 Kings. Anybody read First Kings this week? First Kings 22. There is a prophet there. Anybody know the name? I'm sorry, I'm always asking you guys Bible trivia questions when I had the luxury of studying ahead of time. Um, Elijah. Jesse. <laughs> that was just a guess, right? I mean, just... So 1 Kings 22, with king of Israel Ahab and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, there was this prophet Micaiah. His name is Micaiah. Mic- Micaiah, Micaiah. And Wendy and I were talking about this on the way down, driving down this weekend, like, why aren't there more kids in the church named Micaiah? Because this prophet was amazing, he only shows up like 22 times. His name's only mentioned like 22 times in the Bible, and it's in 1 Kings 22, because these two kings, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, go to the 400 prophets of Israel. 400! And they say, look, we want to battle Samaria. Interesting. We were just looking at the lady, the woman at the well, right? And she was Samaritan. Anyway. Not a connection, but anyway, so they're going to get up against Samaria and they want to know from the 400 prophets if they're going to be successful in their war. 400 prophets told Jehoshaphat and Ahab, Yes, you're going to be victorious, get in there and get them. 400 prophets. And they're all like, Yes, except Micaiah. And if you go to 1 Kings 22, King Ahab. Says, okay, these 400 prophets are saying this, but there is this one other prophet, Micaiah, who I hate. Ahab says, I despise Micaiah. You know, Jehoshaphat's like, what's your beef with him? It's like, well, he never says what I want to hear. He never tells me anything good. He's always on my case. And so I don't like him. Isn't this how it is? So... He gets Micaiah. I mean, do you want to know the end of the story? I mean, maybe the end of the story is Micaiah goes to the you know in front of the kings and he's like, Okay, fine, go ahead. The four hundred prophets say you're gonna you're gonna win. I mean, I guess they're right. And so Ahab sees right through Micaiah and he's like, Come on, tell me the truth. And he says, You're not gonna make it. And then they send him to prison and give him bread rations. That's what we do to prophets. That's what we do to people who tell the truth to us. That's how we are with admonitions, exhortations in our life. We tend to take those warnings as believers, those admonitions, those exhortations. We reject them and we put them on bread rations in our life. So here's the question for you guys today. Maybe it's what you came to hear. Maybe you can come back to me now. I have four minutes, so relax. What's that thing that God's been just, he's, he's been micaiah into your life? It's the, everybody else is saying this, and then you've got this nagging spiritual feeling, and you don't want to quench it, but God, God's warning you. He's exhorting you to do something different. I don't know. What is it? Paul would be encouraging us today to not despise those warnings, those admonitions, that thing that you just don't want to let go of, that thing that you just don't want to take hold of, right? I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's carbonated beverages. I don't, I doubt it. All right, so the text goes on, test everything, hold fast to what is good. If you are listening to those who are trying to warn you from Scripture, and as as and yeah, listen to those in the church who would warn you, have you listened to somebody in the church lately that's kind of tried to bring an exhortation into your life? Have you tested that? Maybe maybe it's good, and maybe you need to hold fast to that. Last thing in verse 22, because I do only have three minutes left, and I think I have at least six more, six more minutes of things to say. So. Uh, so the last one, abstain from every form of evil. That's verse 22, abstain. I hate that word so much, abstain, because in the 21st century, in modern progressive modern culture, if you say abstain, people immediately clock you as a Christian. Oh, the abstinence police, the abstain, the, you know, and don't y'all think that the word abstain is, for our culture, it's just an affront, right? We just, how dare you tell me to abstain from anything? I will have what I want. I'm now talking the way culture seems to be talking, and I don't sometimes disagree, right? Because I want to say I want what I want. You know. So when we see scripture saying this, it's like, oh, this is what Christians sound like: abstain from every form of evil, not just not just premarital sex, or not just the things we want to, but from every form of evil. Do <sighs> Do you need the gospel? Like when I. <laughs> It's so tiring to to read and think about the do's and the don'ts of the will of God in Christ for us. I'm just exhausted. And I just want to go back to thank you, Lord, that you've not destined me for wrath. Because if it's based on me keeping or not keeping, you know, I can't do and don't all this. Can you? I mean, maybe you're sitting here today going, yeah, I got all this. I'm listening to any exhortations that come to me. I'm holding on to what's good. I am praying without... I mean, if you're one of those people, please disciple me. I'll have a lot of time coming up in a few weeks. So, you know, just chat me up and disciple me because you got it together. But for most of us, I'm going to say that these things are so beautifully couched in the... I'm searching for the indicatives of the gospel here. I'm searching for it. Like, I, I get to the end, verse 22, abstain. And I'm like, please, God, give me the gospel. I can't abstain from anything. I mean, I'll probably make it a... I probably won't make it. I'm going to do my best. But, I mean, if I can't even change my soda, I mean, and some of you can't eat more protein. You just can't, it seems like. If we can't even do these simple things that will prolong our lives, how are we at spiritual things? I think it's even harder, apart from God, apart from his grace, apart from the fact that he has destined us for glory, as Pastor Jesse preached a few weeks ago. Thank God he's destined us for glory. I wanted to end with talking about Peter, because Jesse's going to be preaching out of 1 Peter, and just thinking about Peter's life, because whenever I think about do's and don'ts in Scripture, I always think about Peter. I don't know if you know about his life in Scripture, but he was a big, flat, lame, old f- failure most of the time. I mean, when Jesus Christ on earth makes you one of his disciples and then he tell, he calls you Satan and to get behind him, things are not going good. That's not an abstain day for you. That's not a, you know, uh, holding on to profit. I mean... If you're Peter, you've ha- you've had so many run-ins with Jesus just telling you, "Dude, what is happening?" right? And yet and yet Peter turned to John 21. In the gospel of John, Peter, after all his failures, after all the times he did or didn't, and cutting off ears of people, and betraying Jesus three times, even to a servant girl, he's a big burly fisherman. What's he afraid of? He's just a guy like, he's just a human being who needs the indicatives of the gospel. And so what happens in John 21, and I'll conclude here, Peter goes back to his life after Jesus died. And Jesus calls him back to shore. And in John 21, starting in verse 9, when they got out out on land, Peter and the fishermen with him, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. And then he feeds them breakfast. He says... uh, Come and have breakfast. And then maybe it's familiar, later Jesus says to Peter, after they've had breakfast, after he's given them breakfast, cooked it for them, he says to Peter, right, three times, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep, right? He, he reinstates Peter, right? So if you're searching for the indicatives of the love of God, Peter's life is a great example of that. He failed more than you probably did in the last 10 years, I'm gonna guess, in just a few moments. He was a huge lamo, apart from Christ's love. So if you want to search for the indicatives, Jesus fed him breakfast, literally gave him food to eat, cooked it for him, and fed him and said, You know, come have breakfast, and then said, Go feed my sheep. There's the imperative. The imperative of go feed my sheep, he already said, here, I'm going to feed you breakfast. I'm going to cook it for you. So the indicative of his love, his reinstatement, and then he's like, go feed my sheep. It was never, hey, Peter, to reinstate yourself, go feed my sheep. And then I'll think about it. He's like, no, come have breakfast. I'm going to feed you, and then you're going to go feed my sheep. You get it? I think you guys got it. May we just sit as long as we need to in the indicative of his grace, his love, And then hopefully we can put our shoes on and go do the will of God in Christ for us. Pray with me. Father, thanks for your love. Oh, God, we're so desperate for it. Lord, may we fan into flames the work of the Spirit. Lord, thank you for how you're working here in Indelible Grace. Continue that for your glory, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.